So we've been talking about religion for a couple of weeks now. And we've said that people do some goofy things in the name of religion. People do some unethical things in the name of religion. People have done illegal things in the name of religion. Um, but, but here's the bottom line. Your religion isn't goofy because yours is right. Right? Yes? Okay. Part of what really bothers us about religion is, is there are some people who think their religion is right and everybody else's is wrong. Does that, does that get on anybody else's nerves? Even if you're one of those people that you're convinced you're right, doesn't it bother you when someone else says, no, I'm right and you're wrong? Right? Anyone? And some of us, thank you, some of us have relatives that are like that. So how many of you do not talk about religion at family gatherings. All right, a few more in this service than, than in last service. Um, now, some people think they're, they're convinced they're right and theirs is the only way. There are people on the other side of the corn, uh, coin, like Oprah, who believe that all religions are the same and all religions lead to God. Now, if you were to ask an Orthodox Jew, do all religions lead to the same God? Are all religions the same? Do you think they would, what do you think they would say? Not a chance. Maybe in the King James. No, they didn't have that then. Anyway, if you were to ask a, um, a Baptist if all religions are the same and lead to the same God, what would they say? If you were to ask a Lutheran, a Church of Christ, a Catholic, a Muslim, a, a Jew, who, would they say that all religions are the same and lead to the same God? No, so if you, if you say, or if you hear people say that all religions lead to the same God, then, then at best it's ignorant because that means they don't know about world religions. At worst, it's stupid because they do know world religions and they're just trying to throw you off the trail of the one true God. Now, there, having said that, there are some similarities. Now, don't ever hear me say that all religions are the same because they're not. I believe ours is different. I believe we're right. Okay, but there are some similarities. For example, in the world, there's at least nine different versions of the golden rule. I'm not going to give you all nine of them, but here's an example. The Muslim version says no one of you, no one of you is a believer until he loves for his brothers what he loves for himself. So at least, you know, brothers, you know, like minded people, you're nice to them. Aristotle said we should behave to our friends as we wish they would behave to us. There's that friends thing. Um, Judaism says this, what you hate, do not do to anyone. It's not bad. What's Jesus say? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. Jesus' statement isn't just for like-minded believers. It's for everybody. Jesus, you would expect the Son of God, though, to have a higher standard, right? But at least some form of being nice to people, uh, at least if they believe like you in all world religions. Well, there's another thing that all religions have in common. All religions believe there's a set of do's and a set of don'ts. There's some ought to's and ought nots, right? C.S. Lewis has written a little book. It's, it's a very small book. I just got it the other day. It's called The Abolition of Man. And in it, he has compiled all of the, the he's compiled eight commandments that all world religions believe. All right, let me just run through these real quickly. Uh, these are up on the screen. Don't harm others with word or deed. Honor your parents. Be kind to siblings and the elderly. That's kind of funny they put those together. Be honest, and in my case, my siblings are elderly, but we'll, we won't go there. Um, be honest in your dealings with others. Don't lie. Don't have sex with another person's spouse. Care for those who are weaker. Put others first. Now, all religions have these things in common. 
And you know what else all religions have in common? The followers, you name a religion, you, the followers of all world religions aren't very good at doing these things. See, it, it, it's, we believe this stuff, we're just not very good at doing it. So let me, let me just uh, give you an example. Just for fun, I want you to raise your hand on these, all right? So here we go. So how many of you have ever harmed others with what you said or what you did? Let me see your hands. All right, that's a bunch. How many of you have ever dishonored your parents or disobeyed your parents? That's just as many. How many of you uh, have ever been unkind to your siblings or the elderly? I did it driving home from Fort Worth. I called an elderly person an idiot, but they were, in my defense, they were, but I prayed and confessed and the Lord forgave me. Um, be, how many of you have ever been dishonest in your dealings with us? And I mean, you may not, some of you are like, yeah, but wait, wait, wait. And I don't mean necessarily that you intended to be dishonest, but maybe you didn't tell the whole truth. You didn't give everything, right? Now, how many of you are tempted to lie right now before I get to this one? Some of you are going, oh, dude, the preacher's about to ask that in church. <laughs> How many of you have ever lied? All right, because we're a church of grace. On, on this one right here. How many of you have ever heard of someone who cheated on someone else? Or you've seen a movie where in there they committed adultery. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Whew. Did not want to have to lie in church. Um, so... So the reason I did this was, was to point out this fact. We could go anywhere in the world. We can gather any number of people of any number of religions and all of us would be just as bad as this group was right now. We're not very good at following rules, right? Everybody agree with that? So there's some ought nots. We did it anyway. And now we're in trouble with God. So here's what I thought. Some of you are going to say, well, I'm not that bad a person. I hear this all the time. I'm not that bad. Well, let's, let's just talk about you and me. Let's, let's just say that, um, you had five bad thoughts today or five bad actions today. Put those back up there real quick, Travis. Let's say that, that just in this whole list today coming to church, cause you know, the devil attacks you on the way to church. You know, you're fighting like crazy. And you get out. Hey, how are you? I'm great. We know. So let's just say five. Okay, today you just did five of them. That's if you're really good. Because if you think about it, some of you did it five in the last five minutes or maybe five in a minute. But let's just, let's say you're a good person and you only did five things today. Let's say that you only did five bad things or had five bad thoughts for the last year. 365 days times five, that's 1,825 in one year. That's a lot of sin in one year. Let's say that you live for 50 years and you only do five things for 50 years. Your number would be 91,250 bad things in 50 years. Now, if you're me, my number is, I'm 51, 93,075. That's not very good, is it? All right, come on up here, Aaron. Aaron knew this was coming. Thatcher, come on, buddy. I told you about this too. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem with sin. Whatever your number is. I'm pretty good. I only have 93,075. Your number's bigger. Aaron's number's bigger. No, he's younger, so his, his number isn't as big. So, okay, so turn around. We're going to put this on you like you're going to do a squat. You're not going to do a squat, but you're going to hold it like that. All right, we, we went ahead and gave a jump start here. 
So we put, we put, um, you got 90 pounds and this is, this is 45. So we got 135. How many of you think that Aaron, how old are you, Aaron? 31. He's 31. How many of you think he's got at least 135 sins in 31 years? How many of you think that's all the sins he's had in 31 years? Sorry, buddy. Nobody believes that. All right. So let's, uh, let's put a 35 on there. We got 45s. You got a 35. All right. And, and because I love Aaron, how many of you think that, that he has only 200 sins in 31 years? How many of you think he has a lot more? All right. Yeah. Let's just load him up, dude. Whatever you got. Throw it on there. We love you, Aaron. Yeah, give me two tens. Yeah, you don't want us to, to stretch you out there, bud? Yeah, you thought I was doing this. You wouldn't have brought so much weight, would you? Do one of those five. That'll be good. All right. Now, here's what happens. Now, right now, you're pretty good, right? If you were to carry this very long, you, you knew. You don't want to, the whole time I preach, you don't want to be there? Okay. Here's, here's the problem. People walk into churches all over the world carrying their sin and they feel guilty. The reason they feel guilty is because we are guilty. We've sinned. And, and so people, whatever their number is, if I had enough, I would put this all on you, but we'll just symbolically, this is my number, but people walk into church and they're weighed down by their sin. And religion piles more weight on you. Religion says you have to be good enough to earn heaven. Problem is nobody's ever good enough. And so I've asked before, I've, I've had times before when I've had you bow your heads, I've said, how many of you feel condemned? And there's hands all over. How many of you feel shame? There's hands all over. Because the enemy is attacking us and saying, this is your identity. Your sins are who you are. But I've got good news for you today. You don't have to stay like this. Let's, let's give him a little break there. I'm not sure I can lift this. I didn't think that through. I need bigger friends to do the whole illustration without me. See, um, the, the real problem is you're guilty and, and you'd love to go back and redo, but you don't get a redo. You can't reparent a wayward child. You can't unhurt someone that you've hurt. You can't go back and be honest. You can't go back and be faithful. And all religion brings you to this one point. And, and the point is, how do I deal with my past? See, Satan wants you stuck in your past. God wants you to do something else with your past. And a lot of you have been carrying it around. A lot of you got married not knowing that you had issues. <laughs> when you got married, it was real evident that your spouse had issues, right? We come into it having issues. We need to unpack that stuff. And today I want to I talk to you about how to deal with your past. Because Christianity offers something that other world religions don't. And so... This right here, this being weighed down by our sin is why when Jesus was born, the night that Jesus was born, the angels came out. Janie and I got to go to Bethlehem. We got to stand there. We got to look out over the fields where the angels showed up. And here's what they said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to who? Say that again. To who? 
all people. Good news, not just to the Jews, not just to believers in God. Say it with me. It was good news to whom? All people. The arrival of Jesus is good news for all people of all races, of all religions, of no religion, even people who do not believe in God. This is good news. Jesus came to solve the problem that all religion reveals. We're guilty. Now what? I See, I, I can do something about my future. I can try harder to be a better person in the future. I can't do anything about my past, no matter how much it bothers me. Jesus, when he showed up, his message was very simple. Your sins, all of this weight can be forgiven. And that's great news. And I'm going to show you how. Now, today we're going to look in in the book of Romans. We've been looking at Paul's life during this thing. The first time he was talking to Agrippa and he he told Agrippa about religion. And then the next time he's talking to some people in Athens and we got to hear his story there. Today, he's written this in Romans. It's a a letter that he wrote to Roman people. They weren't Jews. They, um, They had a Roman mindset. And, um, and they had discovered that Jesus was the savior, not just for Jews, but the savior of the world. And that's who Paul wrote to. And he's going to explain to us what it means that Jesus is the forgiver of the sins of the world. So here it is. Romans eight, one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And years ago, I heard a a teacher say, anytime the word therefore is in scripture, you need to know what it's there for. And in this instance, in chapter seven, Paul spends this whole time and he says, there's two laws that are fighting. One is the law of sin. One is the law of God. And he's about to give us some great news about these two laws. Now in this, what, what um, words do I have underlined there? No condemnation, crowd participation. What words do I have underlined? No condemnation. This is good. Condemnation is a legal term, meaning you've been tried and found guilty. You're guilty of your sin. You're not guilty of Adam's sin. And it's time for prison. You know, anything about the Bible, you know that we are condemned in Adam. We are condemned because of Adam. Why? Because Adam sinned, he allowed sin into the world. But you and I are condemned because we are sinners and we carry our sin around with us. And and just like Adam sinned, we sinned. And you'll suffer consequences. Adam suffered consequences in that he had to work very hard to produce food from the land. Eve suffered consequences in that, in that child um, bearing became very painful. You may suffer, you probably will suffer consequences for your sin. Whether it's a speeding ticket or whether it's an unexpected pregnancy. Maybe even jail time if you commit some type of felony. But once you're in Christ, in God's eyes... You're no longer condemned. This is a big deal. I've been so excited about this message this whole week because somebody needs to hear this. A religious system may condemn you. Your family may condemn you. The legal system may condemn you. You may even condemn yourself and think you need to pay because of your guilt. But in God's eyes, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. How is it possible? Next verse. Because through Christ Jesus through his death and resurrection. The law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Here are the two laws and, and Paul gives them names and I want you to write this down. The law of the, of spirit, of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. Up to this point, he's telling the Romans, you have been driven your relationships have been driven by the law of sin and death. And, and you know this very well. We would say it like this. We would say, when you sin, something dies. When you sin, something dies. Say that with me. When you sin, something dies. Say it again. When you sin, something dies. Now I want you to make it, make it personal. When I sin, something dies. Ready? When I sin, something dies. 
Put those eight commandments, if you would, back up there. So when you harm others with your words or with your deeds, your relationships suffer. And many of you have killed relationships by what you said or what you did. When, when you dishonor your parents, many of you have killed your, your relationship with your parents because of your sin, something you said or did or something they said or did. Um, some, some of you have killed relationships with your siblings or with your, your older relatives or somebody because of something you said or did. Um, some of you have killed relationships become lie, because of lies. Some of you have killed relationships because of unfaithfulness in your marriage and you have killed marriages. Choices that we make. When you sin, something dies. Sin always results in death. All of us have wounded relationships. All of us have killed relationships because of our choices to sin. And the law of sin and death is what has driven your relationship, not just with other people. It's what drives your relationship with God. You've killed your relationship with God. through. It's a law. You don't have to believe it. It is a law. When you sin, something dies. Nations have died because of sin. Cultures have died because of sin. Families have died because of sin. Churches have died because of sin. You don't have to look far to see the results of the law of sin and death. When you sin, something dies. Say that with me. When you sin, something dies. Make it personal. When I sin, something dies. The good news, this is good news, is that the law of sin and death has been overcome by another law. And this really isn't hard to understand at all. Whenever an airplane takes off, what happens to the law of gravity? Does the law of gravity just disappear? No, the law of gravity is waiting for the principles of the plane. The the law of gravity is going to reveal to you very quickly if that plane is, is something's wrong, it's coming down. If you don't believe in the law of gravity, come up here and I'll throw you off of the stage and you'll go down. And if you, if you say, well, I still don't, we'll take you to the top of the church. We'll find something and throw you off until you believe in the law of gravity. What's happening when the plane takes off, there's a set of principles that are in play that overcome the law of gravity. The law of gravity is still real. It's still in play, but you've used a different law to overcome the effects of gravity. The law of sin and death will always be in play while people live on this earth. But there is another law that overcomes it. If you accept Christ, he set it in place. And this, this law is offered to everyone, religious or not. And here it is. The law of the spirit of life is this forgiveness and grace. The law of the spirit of life is forgiveness or grace. God offers it. Every one of us has killed a relationship through sin. And so we've learned another truth. You can't get back into a relationship just by doing good stuff. The only way you can get back into a relationship that you have killed is if the person that you were in relationship chooses to let you back in, right? No matter how many good things you do, if that person doesn't choose to let you back in relationship, you you cannot be back in. They have to give you permission. Now, they can give you permission to get back in the relationship one minute after you hurt them. A year after you hurt them, maybe on your deathbed or on their deathbed, but you have to have permission from the other person to get back into a relationship that you've killed. And see, that's between two, two sinners. The law of the spirit of life is between God and sinners. God has chosen to let you back into relationship, not because of how religious you are, not because of how many mission trips you've gone on, not because of how much money you give to the church, not even because of how many diapers you change in the nursery. God has chosen to invite you back into a relationship through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He invites all people, 
everywhere to come back into relationship with him based on forgiveness and grace. I double dog dare you to find any other world religion that offers the spirit of life, forgiveness and grace. There is none. The law of sin and death doesn't go away, but the law of spirit of life overcomes it when a guilty sinner bows down and says, God, will you forgive my sins? Whether it's 93,075 or a million or two, God says, yes, I will forgive you. And see, that's why the angel said, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Why do we need a Savior? Because the law of sin and death has reigned in our bodies, has reigned in the human race. And see, here's the real thing. We need a Savior because religion reminds us that we aren't good enough. Can anybody give a testimony? Have you ever been told by religion you're not good enough? We need a different law, and God has offered it. It's the law of the spirit of life. How many religions offer this new law? One. Christianity. This is awesome, this next part. For what the law, now whatever law you want to talk about, the eight commandments, the ten commandments, the 600 and plus commandments that the the Jewish rabbis added to the Old Testament, whatever law, the law cannot do anything except show you you're guilty. It can't save you. You're a lawbreaker. When you take a gun into the airport, the law can't save you. It says you're guilty. When, when you, when, when you break the law speeding, the law was never intended to save you. The law was intended to show that you are a lawbreaker. What the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. This is, this is where I wanted you to come today and hear this message. What the law was powerless to do, God did. Now, some of you are going, man, this law of sin and death, this, this is, uh, lighten up. I mean, it's only a little white lie. I only, I only cheated once. I only hit her once and I asked for forgiveness. Lighten up on this law of sin and death stuff. When you really look at yourself, you know that you don't live up to your own standards because there's some stuff in your past you would love to change if you could. You don't live up to your own standards, much less someone else's standards. And, and honestly, we've dumbed down and dumbed down the rules and we still can't do what we know we should do. We're guilty of sin. We're powerless. The law is powerless, but what the law is powerless to do, God did. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending his own son, not to any one group, but to everyone, in the likeness of sinful man. This is a big deal. Jesus was a human. He was fully human, but he was in the likeness of sinful man. He was not a sinner. He was born of a virgin so that he would not inherit a sin nature like all of us have. And that's a big deal. He was sent in the likeness of sinful man. Look why. To be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. So here's the deal. My sin is condemned, but I am not. If you are in Christ, your sin is condemned, but you are not. By sending Jesus to be the sinless sacrifice, God overcame the law of sin and death for you and for me. But the law doesn't apply unless you accept it. 
I read about a guy who was just recently involved in a shooting. Somebody invaded his home. He pulls out his gun. He shoots and, and he kills him. Of course, he gets uh, arrested because they didn't know what was going on. And, and he had this insurance that Janie and I have. It's called Texas Law Shield. And if you're in a shooting, that there's a, there's a phone number. It tells you what to say. And then it gives you a phone number. You're supposed to call 911. It tells you what to say to 911. It says, get off the phone. And then it says that, that you call the lawyer. Right after you call 911, you call your lawyer and your lawyer comes. What happened with this guy, he called 911, but he didn't, he never thought to, um, call the lawyer and invite them. So he's taken to the police car and the policeman's just doing his job. He doesn't know what's happening here. And he begins to interrogate this guy in the, in the police car. Well, luckily his wife calls and the lawyer shows up and the lawyer demands, I need to be with my client. You're, you're with withholding his right to legal counsel. And one of the policemen said, he has not requested the right to legal counsel. So I don't have to let you go over there. The guy in the car had all the, all that he needed right outside the car to help him, but he never asked for it. It's the same thing. The law of the spirit of life is offered to you, but if you don't do not receive it, it does you no good. Now look at this in order that the righteousness the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Now, what are the requirements of the law? Put those back up there. If you would, Travis, the requirements of the law are don't ever hurt anyone with what you say or do ever, every day of your life, honor your parents, every waking moment. We won't blame you for dreams, but anyway, nightmares. Be kind to siblings. You've got to do every one of these things every day. Never make a single mistake if you want to earn righteousness. And, and one of my favorite things, I like stats and I can quote a lot of stats. And, and so in baseball, if, if you're a good, if you're a professional baseball player, what is, what is considered a good fielding percentage? Nine out of 10. So you miss one out of 10. That's, that's considered exceptional in the pros. What's considered a good batting average? 300. Do y'all even watch baseball? 300. That means three times out, you get three hits out of every 10 times you go to the plate. And we say, that's awesome. That dude's a stud. He's going to be a Hall of Famer because he bats a little over 300. Woo! To earn righteousness, to earn heaven, you have to get a hit every time. You have to never miss a single ball that's hit to you. And just for fun, I was looking up, um, I looked up Steph Curry's um, statistics. If people were to ask, if you were to ask folks, who's the, the best shooter in the National Basketball Association right now, they would say Steph Curry. I just looked up his stats. This year, just in 2016, he made uh, 805 two-point shots. That's pretty good. He missed 793. So 50.02% or something like that. We go, man, he's a stud. Three-pointers. He's the most prolific three-point shooter. He, he set the record last year, most three-pointers made in a year, and then he broke it this year. He made 402 three-pointers. He missed 484. Whoa, he's a great dude. And he is. He's a stud. But if you want to earn the righteousness of God, you never miss a shot, ever. I think you realize that that's not possible. New standing before him. It would be the righteousness that you would earn if you kept all the laws perfectly. But see, you can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's a gift from God. How can God do that? Well, 
He's taken all the punishment, all the stuff that you've done, that I've done. And he's taken it off of us and he's placed it on Jesus Christ. And then, then in another section of scripture, it says that he clothes us with Christ. So you take a pure spotless white robe, wrap it around. God sees me. And if you're in Christ, he sees you as perfect because of what Jesus Christ did. It's the law of, of the spirit of life. Religion is powerless to fix your past. The law is powerless to fix your past. But an all-powerful God has offered forgiveness and grace, so you don't have to carry that around anymore. Because, see, here's, here's the problem. If you're still trying to earn God's forgiveness and grace, it means you've never accepted it in the first place. Because here's what religion says. Religion says the law condemned me, the law can save me. What did Paul just say? The law is powerless. But people who are in religion, they're going to try harder, try harder, try harder because they think they can be saved by it. Christianity, though, comes along and offers something different. What the law was powerless to do, Christianity says, God did. That's good news. So rather than to ask you to be more religious, God is inviting you to experience forgiveness. Bless you. We don't need a dumbed down set of rules because we can't follow the rules anyway. We need forgiveness. And when you ask God, when you humbly ask God to take your stuff, the answer is always yes. So many church attenders live under the law. How many of you have ever gone to a church and you felt burdened down when you left? Right? Today, God wants to offer you something new. Would you ask for this forgiveness? Consider praying this prayer. Bow your heads for a minute and I'm going to pray out loud and I want you to pray silently. I want you to consider praying this prayer if you want to be free from religion. Heavenly Father, I believe that what the law couldn't do, you did through Jesus. I believe through your son, all condemnation will be taken away from me. I believe you are offering me the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. I accept that gift right now. Help this gift go from my head to my heart and change my life. The way we say this around here is we say, in the name of Jesus, amen.